0: So today, today I'm preaching on a familiar passage. It's one I've never preached about, the story of Jesus visiting the sisters, Martha and Mary. It was my choice to preach on the passage today, and I'm looking in our church for our Marthas. They're not all here. But I think the reason I've never preached this is that no male head of staff pastor wanted to assign it to me, the female pastor, It's a little stereotyped as a woman's message, and yet, for a couple of reasons, I've been newly interested and drawn to this passage, partly sparked by my trip to Palestine and Israel, imagining the lives of those men and women who walked with Jesus. So let's pray before we read this passage. Dear God, we ask that you open our hearts to your word, That you would inspire us with your Holy Spirit, form us as your children, and draw our hearts to love you deeper. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So listen to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I know that many of you are familiar with this passage, but I want to take a fresh look at this encounter, a fresh look at this conversation between Jesus and Martha. And I'd like to say that this passage isn't about women squabbling over kitchen work, nor is it a competition between contemplative Mary and activist Martha. It is about how to, how to respond when life is challenging, about being a disciple of Jesus. It's about Jesus showing up right when he is needed. This past summer, I was drawn to study about all the Marthas and Mary in the Gospel accounts, and I discovered a new interpretation of this passage based on early Greek texts, some of the earliest versions. This summer, I read this book, The New Perspective on Mary and Martha, by Mary Stromer Hansen. And it says underneath, do not preach Mary and Martha again until you read this. <laughs> okay. She provided a fresh interpretation that broadens the story for us. You're going to have to work a little bit as we navigate it, but we'll work through it together. So ancient copies of the Bible text, is found in original languages occasionally, discovering sometimes interesting differences between them. Different scrolls can be carbon dated, and you can figure out which one was written first. One of the things that happens sometimes in the scribal copying is that scribes can miss or inaccurately copy words. Sometimes they take liberties to clean up the phrases that seem awkward. But just imagine what it's like to copy by hand. Nobody had photocopiers. So when you compare older copies with the newer copies, it can be interesting and you know why are earlier copies more interesting, a little more important? They probably have less errors. They probably have fewer scribal improvements. God's word is inspired, but it's transmitted through imperfect people. And then faithful people seek to translate original texts into English and translations are never exact. Anyone who knows multiple languages knows this. So what scribal differences are interesting in this story about Jesus and Martha? So first, let's look at our first verse, verse 38 from our pew Bible says, now as they were on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. An early text of this verse doesn't include in her home, It says, now as they went on their way, he, Jesus, entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him. So why does this matter? As Martha welcomed Jesus, this is why it matters. It means more than the hospitality of a cool drink or a greeting to someone coming in the door. Hospitality is important, but there is more. Welcoming Jesus means to recognize Jesus, to affirm a relationship with Jesus, to receive him with conviction and belief. Martha knows Jesus, and she's his disciple, receiving his teaching and acknowledging him. In that next verse, we have this detail about Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. Now, this is a description of a disciple. It may not be literally what she's doing right then. A disciple sits at the teacher's feet and learns. And this is what our Bible says. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But an earlier text is missing the who. And there's a conjunction that should mean also. So while it's a bit awkward in English, this passage can be translated, she had a sister named Mary also sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. So Martha welcomed Jesus with conviction, Martha had a sister, also a disciple. Martha and Mary, both disciples, both women who know Jesus, both have been listening to Jesus' teaching. Now, it was pretty radical for those times, for a rabbi, for a teacher, to have women disciples listening to their teaching. So these two verses establish that both sisters know Jesus, both are disciples. It isn't intending to set the scene that Mary is visiting with Jesus while Martha cooks, and that's the image that so many have imparted. Martha is not bitter that she's making the hummus and the babacanoush and the tabbouleh on her own while Jesus and Mary talk together. Mary might not even be there. Martha says, my sister has left me. Martha literally says Mary has left her behind. So is Mary with the other disciples, the ones who aren't there right now? If indeed Mary isn't in the house, perhaps she's part of the women who have been following Jesus, supporting his ministries. Perhaps we've had it wrong. Perhaps Martha isn't passively aggressive talking to Jesus about her sister right in front of her. We don't know for sure where Mary is, but we know that this interaction is between Martha and Jesus Do you notice we hear nothing from Mary? I think that many interpreters have just assumed this is a household squabble between women and chores, a little exegetical mansplaining is what I call it. (laughs) But Martha's experience is relevant to anyone, any gender, who seeks to welcome and acknowledge Jesus and follow him and then finds it's hard. Life is full of busyness. We can relate to Martha's story anytime life is demanding and we're overwhelmed. Is that all of us? Have we all been overwhelmed? Martha is constantly being pulled, overwhelmed, concerning much. When the translator says that she's distracted by her tasks, the word used in the Greek test is the same word, diakone, used to describe ministry work throughout the New Testament throughout the Gospels and the letters. And by the time Luke wrote this account, the word had been well-established for work. So I don't know why they call it tasks. I don't know why we translate it in English as tasks instead of work or ministry or service. It could be any and all of those things. This word diakone, it's where we get the word deacon, an ordained office of the church. So it isn't just about the day's chores, but Martha's weighed down by all her work. That is familiar to all of us. She's fretting about all her work, not just dinner. And she's clearly familiar with Jesus. She surely knows he's a humble guest. He's not overly concerned with where he sleeps or what he eats. I believe that Martha is already overwhelmed when Jesus shows up. In fact, I would say he's shown up just on time. Jesus does that, you know. Shows up just on time. Just on time to redirect her thoughts. So where have Martha's thoughts gone when her work and her concerns are overwhelming? She goes to worry and fretting. She goes to problem solving. She goes to comparison. But what she got right was to admit that something was wrong. She lets Jesus in. That's the first right step, and then Jesus helps her unravel it. Something that you may have noticed about Jesus, when someone drags him into a controversy, he resists taking up the side of the one who's dragged him into the controversy, seeking help. He goes to the heart of the matter, the heart of the person who is seeking help. Jesus doesn't say that the things that concern Martha aren't important. He recognizes that Martha is worried about many things. The problem is less about the work than about the state of her heart. Because there will always be work. And when our days are over, there will be more work for those who are left behind for others to pick up. If Mary came back home, it won't necessarily resolve Martha's problem. There's more work, more ministry. And it probably isn't just the work. Remember, Martha is a disciple of Jesus. She's sat at his feet. She would be aware of the shocking story where John the Baptist was beheaded. She would know how Jesus himself had said that he must suffer many things, many things. Martha is troubled about all the things, not just the work, all things. Anyone else feel like this? Too much work. And when you look up at the state of the world, It's way too much. It's overwhelming. I see you, Martha. I get it. But here is what Jesus shows up to say. Jesus tells her to focus on the one thing, the good portion, the one thing. What is the one thing? Everybody has an interpretation. But I think that one thing harkens back to that central tenet of the faith. One, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And actually, in this text of Luke, before this passage that we're studying this morning, Jesus is texted by a legal expert. And in return, Jesus asks him about the law and the legal expert quotes this exact same passage that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, oh, and he adds, and your neighbor as yourself. But look at how Jesus is with Martha. He's not argumentative. He doesn't test her. He guides her kindly. Martha, Martha. Jesus kindly says her name. Look at me. Jesus says, I know your name. I see you. Focus on the one thing, the good portion. The good portion is to love me, to know me. Don't fear that you're by your work. Focus on me, that central thing, that one thing. Don't get drawn into comparison and resentment about your sibling and what they're doing or not doing. Comparison, that's a place we go when we're overwhelmed, isn't it? Resentment. I have some wisdom from my BFF, my imaginary BFF, Brené Brown. (laughs) Your lack of work is not making me resentful. My lack of rest is making me resentful. (laughs) Sometimes, when we're resentful, we need to look at our own selves. She also says, when I start to feel resentful, instead of thinking, what is that person doing wrong? Or what should they be doing? I think, what do I need that I'm afraid to ask for? This is wisdom. What does Martha lack? What does she need that maybe she's afraid to ask for? What do we need in our hurried and too busy lives? We lack peace. We lack that peace that can only be found in knowing and loving God. Peace. Don't we all want peace that won't be taken from us? You know, I had a day this summer where I felt so overwhelmed, and I was actually studying this passage, reading that book, about Martha and Mary. I thought, Jesus, where is my sibling, my brother? Off where? Dancing on waterfalls, (laughs) lounging on beaches, (laughs) spending quality time with Jesus and all his friends. (laughs) Uh, But I'm advanced. I didn't stay there too long. (laughs) What I did in that middle of being overwhelmed is I left the laptop and the phone and the pile of to-do lists and the post-its And I walked around the church buildings, and then I came into this sanctuary, and I laid on a pew. I do that, actually, (laughs) when I want to pray. Come, Lord Jesus, I prayed. I focused on that one thing, the love of God, the peace of God. I lay in the quiet, talking with Jesus, and I determined that part of the overwhelm was not just about too much, but also about anxiety, Anxiety about the state of the world, about the things in my life that bring me grief, and fear I have for those whom I love. We all have those fears, right? But I was doing that work with Jesus to unpeel back to my feelings. What do I need? What do I need? I need peace. I need to feel God's love. In part, I'm going through this process where I'm going to have a significant birthday next year that makes you think about the nature of your life and your work. It has a tendency to draw you to a place of comparison or a place of knowing, what do I need? What do I need? How am I experiencing growing in the love of God? Do I have peace? And here is what I know. I know that I experience the love of God right here in this church with all of you. I hope you do too, that this is a place of formation, a place of knowing God, experiencing his love and knowing his peace. I hope you experience it as a place where we are attentive to Jesus nudging us, attentive to when he shows up in our midst. Let's notice when Jesus shows up because Jesus shows up right when we need him, just like he did for Martha, when she was overwhelmed. Jesus shows up calling her name. Now, for us, it'll take different forms. But we know when we're attentive, we experience when Jesus shows up calling our names. All of the work, all the choices that we make should lead to Jesus. We don't focus on our sibling. We don't focus on the work. And we don't focus on the fear that overwhelms us. But this takes preparing our hearts. It takes sitting at the feet of Jesus, as Martha did, as Mary did. As a church, we seek to sit at the feet of Jesus. We seek to know God. We seek to be formed by his love, to listen to those invitations, to read his word. As a church, we also seek to be nourished by this table, this table that's spiritual food for this journey, the spiritual food where we will receive our good portion, there's enough good portion to go around. And may this table remind you of your good portion in the love of God, the love of the Holy Spirit. May this table remind you that God loves you. He has what you need. He has peace. Amen.